Amen. It's a beautiful Sunday, amen? amen. I walked outside this morning expecting it to be like unbelievably cold. And, but the sun, went, it, oh, maybe for me it was, it was all right. <laughs> I walked outside, the sun was shining, and I was like, oh, it's a beautiful Sunday. I was like, yeah, it was nice. It felt so good. Birds were singing and everything, but maybe that was uh, just outside of my place. <laughs> Either way, God is good. Amen? amen. No matter what the weather, God is good. Amen? amen. So even if it's raining outside, we can still rejoice because God is good. Yeah. Nahum 1 7 says the Lord is good. He's a refuge in the time of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Man, God is good. If you're ready to hear the word, say, I'm ready. I want you to open up your Bible, 1 Corinthians. We're still in this book, and we're going to chapter 8 today. Mm, we're, make, we're making headway. Come on. So last week, what did I talk to you guys about last week? Last week, I talked about singleness and marriage. I know a lot of people were really confused by the title when they checked on our Facebook page because they saw it was a part two. And they were like, where was part one? You know, uh, well, Pastor Christian preached that part one five years ago, <laughs> and he called it singleness and marriage. He preached from the exact same passage, and it was actually the first message I ever listened to on our podcast. Go figure. I guess that tells you what I was thinking about five years ago. <laughs> but I did that as, an, as kind of an ode or a tribute to that message because that message was a, a very powerful message. It changed my thinking about a lot of things. But one thing I focused on last week is I focused on this notion that singleness and marriage, they are assignments from God. And not only that singleness is an assignment or that marriage is an assignment, that each one of us, we have an assignment from God on our lives. And that in the season of life that we are in, there is an assignment that God has for us. There are people that he wants us to impact. There's change that he wants us to bring now. A lot of us, we like to think about the future. We like to say, you know, I'm going to bring some change later on. You know, I'm going to do something for God later. And so we stay in that realm of dreaming, you know, oh, one day, someday over the rainbow, you know, we're going to bring some change for somebody in God's name. But God has an assignment for us in this season that he wants for us to fulfill. Whether you're single, whether you're married. And after I preached that message, it was really interesting. I stepped down from the pulpit and, and my immediate thought was, okay, assignment. What assignment do you have for me, Lord, in this season? I mean, you'd already been speaking to me about that, but it, it caused me to think about it deeper. Like, God, what's the assignment you have for me? And then so many people came up to me and they were like, man, Pastor Marcus, that message was that it changed everything. Some people said, like, I really like the way you interpreted that. I was like, I did not interpret it in any kind of way. I was like, I didn't want to get up here and be like, the length of your singleness has to do with the assignment you're in. I was like, I don't want to preach that because that has to do with me. Like, what about my assignment? <laughs> I was like, I, I can't just preach something I'm not living. I oh. But people were coming up to me and they were saying, well, Pastor Marcus, I understand, I received this word that this is an assignment, that Lord's given me an assignment for this season of my life, but 
what's my assignment? I have no idea what my assignment is. You know, I love God. I want to serve God. I want to, I want to extend his name and renown on the earth. I, I want to see change come in his name, but I have no idea what that means. And I, I felt as I was praying about this and as I was taking it to the Lord, that the Lord wants to address that because God is a good God. Amen. And one thing about God is that he never puts you in a situation that he hasn't already provided for. He doesn't cause you to do something or call you to do something that he has not already set the provision aside for. Many times when God comes and calls to us something, we freak out. We're like, I don't know how to do it. I don't have enough resources. I don't have what I need. Yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden we're so scared. But God's never scared. You know, when God says that he's given you an assignment or he's given you a calling or a destiny or whatnot, he's not worried about how he's going to provide for it. Even when he says he has an assignment for you, he's not like, you have an assignment. Wait, what's that assignment? Let me figure it out and then I'll give it to them later. No, with Jeremiah, he said before he was in his mother's womb, he knew him and he had appointed him to be a prophet over the nations. And in the same way, when God has assignments for us in different seasons, he wants to show us and lead us through a process of developing our sense of calling and our our sense of the assignment. And so the next couple messages, actually, I'm going to talk about what it means to develop your assignment. I'm going to talk about what it means and how Paul addresses how we can know more about our assignment before God. And so today... The title of this message, if you're taking notes, is you don't know nothing. Everyone say, you don't know nothing. nothing. Tell your neighbor, just point and say, you don't know nothing. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, that's, oh, some of you getting into it a little too much. I see Kate, I see Kate Kim over here like, you don't know nothing. (laughs) You know, when, when I went back home, when I went to uh, North Carolina, uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was back home with my family, I realized that all of a sudden when I was talking with my family, well, actually I realized that when I came back to Korea, it was like something happened to my English. And I started saying things that I didn't, I was like, that's not grammatically correct. Even when I was talking to my family and I remember saying something, to someone I was like, you don't know nothing. And then I was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. You don't know anything. Nothing. Oh, I need to go back to school. It's back in North Carolina. I realized that my grammar has gotten jacked up. And so I'm teaching you guys some of the country swing now. You know, you don't know nothing. Last week, I taught you one more again. You remember that one? Everyone say one more again. You got to say mo like mo like M-O-W. One more again. This is ultimately not what you're supposed to learn at church. But it's part of who I am, and so I want to impart that to you. (laughs) But I want to talk about your assignment from God. And and your assignment from God, in, in terms of fulfilling that, you can fulfill it in one of two ways. You can either take the way of knowledge or the way of love. Paul lays it out for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He he lays out two different ways in which we can walk in our assignment or we can develop our sense of our assignment before God. And it's two paths. Either you can take the path of knowledge or you can take the path of love. 
Now, the way of the way of knowledge, the way of love, it involves some knowledge. You need some knowledge in the way of love. But the way of knowledge, it doesn't involve love. And Paul, he lays some principles out for us, and I want to go over them today. And so I'm going to go over the way of knowledge, and I'm going to go over the way of love. And then I'm going to go over what that means for your assignment with God. So I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And we're going to read. We're going to read from verses 1 to 13, the whole chapter. It's a short chapter. And so I'm going to read the first verse. You read the second. And we'll continue to alternate until we've read it all. All right. Now, concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords. Yes. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association with idols eat food as really offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Let's read this last one all together. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Oh, snap, meat. Oh, snap. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that that, Lord, you have an assignment for every person in this room. And I thank you, Lord, that every person in this room, God, you're wanting them to take the path of love in developing that assignment, God. And I thank you, Lord, that this assignment, God, that you put upon each and every person in this room, Lord, is going to magnify your name in the earth. That no matter what season of life that we are in, God, the assignment that you have given us, Lord, it is going to bring you glory and it will change people's lives. So, Father, I pray that today, God, as your word goes out, may it shift paradigms, may it break off deception, and may it establish truth. Father, we come against every lie of the enemy, seeking to steal, kill, and destroy, and we speak life in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, talking about the way of knowledge versus the way of love. I want to talk about this. Why? Because... Last week, like I said, I talked to you about your assignment, and, and God is moving. When, uh, if any of you guys were at a joint prayer meeting last night, you realize that joint prayer meetings are our monthly prayer meeting we have on the third Saturday. And last night, Pastor John Michael, he preached a word, and he was talking about God's crazy prophetic warnings. And in the message, he was just giving all this, 
all these events that are lining up to really show us that God is speaking to us in this time, in this hour that we're in. And it was really meant to be a wake up call for us. And as I listened to that message and as I was as I was hearing it, all I kept hearing in my ears was that, you know what? It's time for us to take our assignment. It's time for us to rise up. It's time for us as God's people to really ask him, what are you calling me to do in this season and to do it? Because God's on the move. And ultimately, each and every one of us, he's preparing. I actually, I personally believe this is just me, not like anyone else, but I believe we're living in the last days. I believe that the time that we're in, that each and every one of us, we have an integral part to play in changing this world for Jesus' renown, to prepare for his coming. And our assignment is so important. And he wants us to know whether or not we can, he wants us to know about the way of love rather than the way of knowledge. There's two ways you can go. You can go the way of knowledge or the way of love. I want to talk to you about the way of knowledge. The, the word for knowledge in the Greek is gnosis. Everyone say gnosis. It's spelled G-N-O-S-I-S, right? That's where we get the word agnostic, you know, agnostic. And so it's a, without, it's a person without knowledge. I was actually agnostic slash atheist for six years. And so my whole mindset was that I needed more knowledge about God and about his ways before I could say I believed in him. And I want to tell you today that the world is set up on the way of knowledge, that the world is all about knowledge. And that's what Paul actually centers this whole passage on is he's talking about this way that the people in Corinth are choosing. And it's a way of knowledge. And I want you to know that the world is set up on a system of knowledge. You know, the reason why you don't have a, the job you want is because you don't have a college degree. The reason you don't have the job you really want is because you don't have your master's. The reason you don't have the job that's of your dreams is because you don't have your Ph.D. And you can't get a Nobel Prize without three Ph.D.s. You know, in Korea, they set everything up based upon knowledge. The way to get by in Korea is based on knowledge. That's why kids in the Hagwon, they go to school from like six in the morning to 12 at night. Because it's all about getting more knowledge. It's all about knowing more. It's not just there, but in every aspect, you know. Facebook, we want to know as many people as we possibly can. You know, you want to have like 2,000 friends. Maybe not you guys. So just <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we want to know as many people. The reason why you don't have the job or the thing that you want is because you don't know enough people. The reason you don't have the money that you, you want, the reason you, can't have, you don't have enough money right now is because you, you don't know enough about financial planning. The reason you don't step into your dreams is because why? Because you don't know enough. The entire world system is set up upon knowledge, right? We tell one, we tell one another, even here in this place, the way that many churches are set up is set up like a classroom, right? You come in, you sit in rows, and you listen to me speak. I just need a PowerPoint, and it would be complete. You know what I mean? Oh, that rhymed. All right. Poet and know it, you know? I ain't going to freestyle. I ain't going to freestyle. I can't freestyle. I can freestyle in Christ. I can do all things. You know, this Paul confronts this, this aspect of knowledge. Actually, what was happening, let me give you some context, is that in the church in Corinth, 
you had a group of, let's say they had the active and reserve leaders in the church in Corinth. You know, you had these people who knew Jesus and they, they knew a lot about Christianity. And what they began to do was they knew that Christianity wasn't really about rules and regulations. It's not about setting these particular things. It's not Ten Commandments. It's precepts. It's principles that God wants us to live by. So you had these active leaders, these reserved leaders in the church of Corinth. And what they did was they went and they started going to a, a pagan temple. Now, none of us would do that, right? You know, we wouldn't go to a pagan temple and hang out, right? I guess you would. <laughs> hold on, Itaewon. We, we are a church that speaks back and forth. This is a family. We have a, we have a conversation. You wouldn't go to a, just a pagan temple and hang out, right? I'm like, come on. Are you guys alive today? I'm alive. You know, one reason that a person came to our church and they stayed is because they realized that church, could, that coming to a service could be fun. They realized that it wasn't just about sitting there and just receiving information, but it was actually about interacting with what God was doing. And that's why they stayed here. So leaders, if you're just sitting there not saying anything, what are you setting for other people that come in? Just think about it. What was happening in the church in Corinth was that you had these people who were more mature believers and they understood that Christianity wasn't just about all these precepts. It wasn't just all about these rules and regulations. So they said, you know what, if I eat food, it doesn't bother me. It's not going to hurt me. So they would go to the pagan temple. They wouldn't do the the they wouldn't do the sacrifices. They wouldn't sit there and and they wouldn't bow down. You know, they would bring different foods in and they would take the food and then they would burn the food and then they would eat the food, right? They would cook it and do it as a sacrifice. And so you had all these Christians that would go to the pagan temple and they would chill and they're like, nah, we worship Jesus, y'all. We're not going to worship, but save me a piece of that chicken. Save me, save me some of that fruit you got over there. And so what they would do was they would actually go up and they would eat some, they would eat the food after they've given it to the idols because they understood that, you know, just because I eat the food, that's not going to, that's not defiling me or or making me undefiled or defiled. And Paul even says this. He says, what a person eats, food does not commend us to God. In verse eight, we're no worse off if we do not eat, no better off if we do. And so they understood that we can go and we could eat the food and it's fine. But the problem wasn't actually, and they had this knowledge. They knew who Jesus was. They knew it wasn't all about these things. But what happened was they were forsaking the way of love because of this extra knowledge they had. So they were going into the church. They were eating this food. They were having a good time. Like, man, this lamb is the bomb, you know, having a good time, high-fiving the pagans. Like, y'all can cook. But what they didn't realize... What they didn't realize was that there were some weaker believers that were there. There were some people who had actually just got saved, maybe were backslidden for a long time and had just walked in. And they heard like, oh, snap, you know, you know, Brian was over there eating the chicken with the pagans. And they're like, wait, it's okay to eat chicken in the temple. So all of a sudden what it did was it caused them to backslide. It caused them to actually begin to go and turn completely the other way. Now, I'm not saying that we do this today or anything, right? You know, alcohol, it's not a sin. It's not a sin to have a beer. But 
I'll tell you a story. We have a drinking policy here at New Philly. And it got started because of a, one particular individual. <laughs> Me. <laughs> you know, because alcohol in and of itself is not bad. Jesus turned water into wine. You know what I'm saying? Jesus was not all religious like, oh, no, that that has hops in it. I cannot touch that. Like he was not religious in that way. But the Bible does say that drunkenness is a sin. It says, do not get drunk off wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the spirit. The whole point is drunkenness, right? Well, we had this, uh, we had this um, Sunday where we had a baptism. And after the baptisms, we all went to this place called Yale Town. Now, like I said, having a beer isn't wrong. Having a beer isn't bad. If, if I saw you having a beer, you, like some people are like, oh, Pastor Marcus, it's, it's not a sin. You know, it's not a sin. But what is a sin is when you are causing other people to stumble because you're exercising that right. And so what was happening is we went to this place called Yale Town afterwards, and I was and a lot of the active leaders were there. And then we had people who had just got baptized. Like they just turned to the Lord and recently just got baptized like 30 minutes before. They're still wet from the water. Right. And uh, and some of us are sitting there hanging out and we're just talking. And and I think somebody said like, oh, they have beer here. Let's grab a beer. And I was like, OK, cool. And so I got a Heineken and I'm walking around Yale Town with the Heineken. Not realizing that at this time, there's people whom God had in a completely different season of their life. People who maybe who had just maybe got brought out of a lifestyle of alcoholism. And God had them in a season where he's like, do not touch alcohol. Do not even be around it. Don't even smell it. Don't even look at a bottle. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? But I know there's people in this room right now who are in that season. Maybe there's a bondage that God has brought you out of. And because of wisdom, he wants you to stay completely away from it. And then you had me walking around with the Heineken. And I remember, I remember Pastor Christian looking at me. And he made eye contact with me. And I made eye contact with him. And I just went, hey, what's up? (laughs) And he looked at me and and he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. He was just like. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then afterwards, he pulled me aside and he said, Marcus, check this out. You, have a, you can do that. That's fine. Alcohol is not a sin. But Marcus, where you sinned was that you caused everyone else around you to stumble. And now all these other people who had just came around to Christ, now they're all confused about whether or not they should step into a bar again or whether or not it's okay. And they're experiencing all this confusion and you've opened up a door for the devil to get in. And you exercising knowledge has forsaken love. And I was like, snap, you're right. And I repented. You know, dancing, going out and dancing, there's nothing wrong with that. But does it, does it hurt your witness? something to think about in this 
Paul brings up this aspect of the, there's this way of knowledge. Because the reason why these believers, these mature believers said this was because they, they actually believed that they had a certain level of secret knowledge. They, they had gotten to a certain level, a certain point, and they, they had this way of knowledge in which they understood the Christian life. You know, the Christian life is actually about accessing going through this much training and having this many seminars. And then I'm to a point where I can then exercise my freedom. You know, this life is set up upon this system of knowledge. Even what comes from it is actually Gnosis is also what come from it later was this movement called Gnosticism. And this movement Gnosticism was about how you needed a secret knowledge in order to attain salvation. People believe that if I could acquire more knowledge, then that would give me success. If I can acquire more teaching, then I'll get success. If I can get more degrees, if I can know more people, if I can, if I can have more relationships in that way, then I'll have success. Knowledge equals success. I want to tell you three things about knowledge. Three things about knowledge. I want to tell you that the way of knowledge doesn't take faith. You know, the way of knowledge is essentially, if I can put it in one sentence, it's you believing that you can work your way or or work your way up to what God has for you or that in order for you to know what God has for your life, you just need to read another book. You just need to go to another seminar. You just need to get another degree. That's the way of knowledge. That's how the world tells you you succeed. You know, God's put this calling on my life. Well, what should I do? Everyone says I need to go back to grad school. That's like. The first thing that everyone says. You know, I didn't want to go to grad school. God, God made me go to grad school. <laughs> Even ordination, I, I didn't want, can I be real? I didn't want to get ordained. Why? Because I felt that God was the one who ordains me. God's the one who gives me my education. But then God said, no, you need to go. <laughs> I want to tell you, the first thing is that the way of knowledge doesn't take faith. Many of us think that in order to develop our assignment from God, in order to develop what God is calling us to, we just need to read more books. We just need to learn more. We just need to take in more teaching and more training and do all these different things. And then that'll bring me to a point where I can fulfill the assignment that God has for my life. But ultimately what happens is that you can never read enough books. You can never get enough training. You know, in America right now, that's what's happening is that no one's getting evangelized, but everyone's going to the evangelism training. I'm, I'm not I'm not strong enough just yet. Let me go to this next seminar. And then you leave the seminar. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm going, man, people are going to come to Jesus. And then you go home and say, oh, I'm not sure. Let me go to the next evangelism seminar. And then you continue to do that and do that and do that. And then you can never get enough knowledge. And it doesn't take faith because it doesn't involve risk. What risks are you willing to take? In terms of the assignment, the call that God has for your life, does it involve risk? Does it involve faith? Another thing about the way of knowledge, the second thing is that the way of knowledge is ultimately all about you. It's all about what we can learn and what we can get and how we can make ourselves better. You know, a lot of times when I talk to people about what's God calling you to or what what do you think your next step is? And a lot of times they say, well, I think 
I need more of this training and I think I need more of this and I think I need to go and do this and I need to read this and I need to have this and, and I need to do all these things. And then a lot of times I'm sitting there and what I'm thinking is you never talked about the people you're supposed to reach. The Bible says actually that Christ's love compels us. Is it just all about you? The system that many of us live in, it's predicated upon, let me get more training. Let me get another degree. Let me get some more and more and more of building myself up. But in the process, so many other people get set up, set up so many people get discarded. In the end, other people don't get impacted because it becomes all about us. It becomes all about just how we can make ourselves better and not about how we can better anyone else. See, what was happening in the church of Corinth was that everyone was all about exercising their freedom. It was all about exercising their right. It was all about how they could. It was all me, 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 me. And let me fulfill my call. Let me fulfill my assignment. Let me try and make myself better. And it was me, 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 me. But in the end, all the me, me, me left out so many other people. When developing your sense of assignment before God, you got to ask, is it all about me? Does it involve the first thing? Does it involve faith? Is there a risk? Is it all about me? Is it all about just building? And the third thing, is it all about just building my own fame? The word says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And the imagery in this statement is, is that you're blowing up a balloon. And it's like, you know, like a balloon gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But in, in the end, it's huge, but it's only filled with hot air. And a lot of times we take this way of knowledge. We think that this is the way that we need to go. And we get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, our, our, we get a big head. You know, we know a lot. But in the end, we're only filled with hot air. No one's being changed. I experienced this this year. You know, because this year, the Lord had me reading. I was reading a lot of books. And I don't really like to read books. I'm going to be honest. Like, books and me, we're not like this. But all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. Maybe I had a lot of time because of my assignment that I'm in nowadays, singleness. Um, I, had, I had a lot of books. I had a lot of time to read some books. And I, I recently got a Kindle, so it's like I can, I can read even more books now. Got a lot of time. And um, I've been reading all these books, specifically books on creativity and innovation. And I've been reading all these books, and I continue to read more and more books on creativity. And every time I read one book, I get inspired. I get built up. I'm like, oh, snap, I'm going to change the world. Ooh, here's another book. And then I read that book. And I'm like, oh, snap, yeah, we're going to change the world right now. And then I see another one. Oh, that one looks good, too. Let me read that one. Oh, and then, oh, I'm going to change the world. Maybe I need to learn more about this, too. And, and all of a sudden, then I realized that I was, I was puffing myself up, but nothing was happening. 
And then I would sit down with people and I would talk to them about creativity. I'm like, this is what, this is creativity. This is innovation. This is blah, blah, blah. And then they'd be like, oh, so what are you doing about it? Man, um, you know, I'm, I'm reading a book right now. And all of a sudden what happened is what began to get built up in me was not just this notion that I know a lot, but pride. I know more than this person, but I'm not willing, I can't, but I'm not impacting anyone. A lot of times when we take this way in which we just need to get more knowledge, we just end up with more pride. This is, it's actually, we actually find that even in our relationships with people. We sit down with someone and we want to know them. We want to know them deeply. So we sit there and we find out more and more and more about them. And the more we find out about them, the better we feel about ourselves. There's this, there's this idea in the church that the, way that, you, that the way that you love someone is by sitting down and getting to know them. But a lot of times when you sit down and you just get to know someone, it actually puts you in a better position to judge them, not to love them. You ever realize that? You're sitting there and they're just vomiting their life story. And then by the time it's over, you're thinking, mm, yeah, you are jacked up. <laughs> you're laughing because you're like, I do that. Stop thinking that. Because knowledge puffs up. But I want to talk to you about the way of love. See, the, the way of knowledge, it doesn't take faith. It doesn't involve risk. The way of knowledge, it ultimately, it, it's all about us and it, and it puffs up. But the way of love, I'm going to tell you three things about it. See, the way of knowledge, it doesn't take faith. But love takes faith. The way of knowledge, it doesn't have any risk, but love is a risk. Loving someone is a huge risk. Many of us, we don't want to take that risk to love people, you know, because what if they reject me? So instead, we'd rather learn more about them. Let me find out more and more and more and more about you. So I can feel better about myself when I talk to you rather than just loving them. Believers, we acquire all kinds of knowledge, all kinds of experience, but because it's just information and it's not faith working through love, no one's changed. You know, I came to the, the, haunting and disturbing realization that I could have 2,800 Facebook friends on Facebook, but no real ones. I can be surrounded by people that I know a lot about, even with God. I, you know, the, the most knowledgeable people about God were the Pharisees. And Jesus called them sons of Satan. So it's actually not about knowing everything about God. It's actually not about knowing everything that there is about your neighbor. It's not last week. I talked about how empathy is not ministry. It's not all about sitting there and having someone give to you. Blah, here's my life story. Let me vomit on you. 
that was a metaphor, maybe a graphic one, sorry. <laughs> Here's what I want you to get. Here's what I want you to get more than anything else. Knowledge is about you, but love is about someone else. And then Paul gives actually the biggest key when it comes to love and knowledge in in verse 3, when he says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Knowledge is all about knowing more things, knowing more people, but love is about being known. I'm going to say that again. Knowledge is all about knowing more things, knowing more information, knowing more and more and more about things and people and just getting as much as you can in. But love is actually about making yourself known. Love is about being vulnerable. Love is about showing aspects of yourself and making sacrifices that you would not normally make. You know, when Jesus came, Jesus did not come on the earth to explore. He came to reveal. You know, when Jesus came on the earth, he didn't come to get more information. He did, you realize he never walked up to the fishermen and asked them a single question about their lives. When he was even discipling them, he, wasn't, he didn't spend time asking them about their family members. You know, I noticed that Jesus didn't ask Peter anything about his family. And nowadays, we would say, Jesus, that's so insensitive. You know, you never asked me who my mama was. You didn't, you don't even care about me, Jesus. When Jesus went to the well, the Samaritan woman, and he sat down, he didn't sit down trying to know more about her. He came to reveal himself. You know, many of us, we say that we we can come before God and we're like, God, I want to know you. I want to know you. But God's looking at you saying, I want you to show yourself to me. Love, loving God is when you can stand before God and make yourself known before him. See, the problem in the church today is that we have so much knowledge about God. But we don't want to we don't want to give God any knowledge about us. We don't want to make ourselves known before God. That's what happened in in Genesis chapter three. When they ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They knew God, but when God came on the scene, they hid. They had all the information they needed. But the one thing God wanted them to do before him was just to reveal themselves. Adam, why are you scared? Why are you hiding? Your assignment before God, is it about... Is it about you just getting more information so that you can feel better about yourself? Or is it about you putting yourself on the line before God? You know, many of us, we think that God is. I realized this when I was in my quiet time one day with God. I came before God and. I actually didn't want to pray. I didn't want to talk to him. It's a relationship, you know, don't, don't judge me. You know, I came before God. I didn't want to have a conversation. I didn't want to talk to him. I was like, God, you know. And, 
And God was like, you know, Marcus, I didn't come on a fact-finding mission. When I meet with you, it's not to try and figure out everything that's wrong with you. One, I'm God, I already know. But two, when I come to you, I don't come to find out everything about you. I come to you to reveal myself because that's love. My question to you, when you come before other people, do you, are you on a fact-finding mission or are you trying to reveal yourself and reveal Christ to them? Because that's love. That's your assignment. Galatians 2.20, I talked about it during corporate intercession. I said that we're dead to sin and now alive in Christ. And that means actually when we go before other people, we're not just simply trying to reveal ourselves. The hope is not that, you know, after service, you're walking up to people trying to make yourself known and everyone's looking to you. Like, actually, I want to show you how much I love you. I'm going to tell you everything that's wrong with me. It's that when you step up and you talk to people, are you revealing Christ? And Christ through you. Christ in the way that God has made you to be. Too many people, when they walk into the church, they want to know exactly what they need to do. They want to find out what steps they need to do and who exactly they need to emulate. And then all of a sudden, everyone's acting like Pastor Christian or Pastor Marcus. And the only person being revealed is, is me. And I like myself. But I don't like myself that much. Are you willing to reveal Christ through the way that God has made you? Because that's love. That's the way of love. I'm going to tell you about this group of people real quick, and I'm going to close. This group of people, they were led by this man by the name of Count Zinzendorf. That's an interesting name. They're Moravians. And uh, I never knew anything about the Moravians except that they made good cookies. (laughs) You ever had Moravian cookies? Those ones are bomb. They are the bomb. They're like real thin and real good. And um, because there's a place called Winston-Salem, Salem College, and there were a lot of Moravians in North Carolina. But Count Zinzendorf led this group of people known as the Moravians. And they loved Jesus. They were so on fire for Jesus. And they understood their assignment before Jesus to such a degree that they actually sold themselves into slavery to reach people. They actually took and went as far as they needed to go to reach people. How many of us in this room would put ourselves on the line to that degree that Christ would be revealed to someone? You know what Itaewon is desiring? Itaewon doesn't want a bunch of believers that know a lot of stuff. I talk to people on the street. I talk to people in the bars. And the moment I try to get into a theological conversation with them, walls come up and everything shuts down. Because they're not looking for someone with a whole bunch of knowledge. They're looking for people who are willing to step in front of them and make themselves known and make Christ known through them in their presence. They're willing to go in front of them and say, you know what? This is me. 
And this is what God's brought me through. And this is the testimony that he's given me. And this is how he has changed my life. And I'm making myself vulnerable. I'm making myself known before you because I know if I do that, then Christ will be known through me. Last week, I asked you, what is your assignment? The question you really need to ask yourself is, does this assignment or what God has placed upon my heart, what does it involve love? And does it involve me making myself vulnerable, not furthering my career, not getting more knowledge, not getting more success? You know, God is the one who prospers you. You don't have to worry about success. If you're in Christ, you're already successful. It's a promise. You're a seed of Abraham. The question is, is Christ revealed through you? Are you loving anyone? Greater love knows no more than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. What Christ was saying was that I'm revealing myself fully by laying down my life. Not yelling today. Just telling you the truth. The truth has nothing to do with volume or the jokes I tell. It has everything with what God is speaking through me. God wants us to be a house that reveals him. But reveals him through the way he's made us. So how has he made you? What makes you unique? What are the aspects about yourself that get stirred up? That's probably the area in which God is wanting to reveal himself through you. That's probably the place where he's wanting to first develop that sense of assignment. And that's happening only through love. Not as you get more information. Let's pray. about the way of knowledge is that most of us get we get caught in the trap where we think that if we could just find out more and more and more and more if we can do our research then ultimately we will find ourselves if we can just continue to follow that way then at some point we'll know ourselves actually the wrong way to go about things Jesus said you have to lose yourself first he said you have to put to death things in order to live dead to sin alive in Christ us to do right now is I want you to pray and I want you to ask God 
God, have I been seeking just to get more knowledge and just to get more? Has it just been about making myself better? And has the things that I've been pursuing or the path that I've, that's been laid out before me, God, has it been all about me? Has it been something that doesn't involve faith at all? Doesn't involve any type of risk at all? And it's been all about me and my comfort. If so, you need to repent. Just say, God, show me. Show me, Lord, who I'm supposed to love. Who I'm supposed to reveal Christ to in the way that you've made me. So when you do that, that's when the power is really released. So I'm just going to give you a chance right now to pray and respond. And I want you to, to ask God. God, begin to reveal the way that you made me and begin to enlighten to me, God, the way in which I'm supposed to reveal you. The way in which I'm supposed to love. Let's just pray right now. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, right now, God, that you're just opening up my eyes, God. Right now, Lord, you're opening up eyes, Lord, away from a way that's just seeking more knowledge, seeking more, God, Lord, that you're awakening people to, to love, God, that they would begin to make themselves known, God, that you would begin to show them, God, the treasure that you placed inside of them, God, and you begin to show them, Lord, how much you value them, Lord, and that how you've revealed yourself to them. Father, I thank you, God, that that every person in this room has an assignment from you. And that assignment, God, Lord, you're not wanting them to continue to fill themselves up with just a lot of knowledge, Lord. That it's not about puffing themselves up, God. It's not about knowing more things, God, but it's about revealing, God, the things that you've already placed inside of them. It's about going out, God, and being vulnerable, God, and loving their neighbor as themselves God it's about stepping out God and Lord I thank you Lord that God that even in this moment Lord you're awakening passions you're awakening desires you're awakening the the unique way God that you have called the people in this room to reveal you on the earth and so Lord I just speak that out right now God that you would begin to awaken and bring clarity to your sons and daughters in terms of their assignment. That it's not about getting more knowledge, it's about love. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for it, Lord. And I, I thank you, God, that your people have a mighty calling from you, Lord. And that we will shake Itaewon and shake this earth in the way in which you've made us, God. And so, Lord, we praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's all stand together.